Good afternoon, everyone. I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry. Welcome to this week's episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. I'm actually having some technical difficulties, so if you bear with me for just one moment, I will be coming right back. Okay, everyone. So uh, we're not going live as of this exact moment on Facebook, but hopefully we'll get that remedied and we will be up back on Facebook sometime very soon. Uh, we're going to be um, talking to a wonderful guest today, as well as uh, discussing some other important matters. In fact, uh, today's guest is the Republican nominee for Michigan Secretary of State, and after we speak with her, she's obviously got quite a busy schedule. So after we speak with her, we are actually going to be having a discussion on current petitions being circulated in the state of Michigan. And if you're not in Michigan, this is still going to be a very good uh, discussion and uh, example for what you should be looking for in your state, what kinds of petitions might be out there, and um, all kinds of other um, great information about that. It looks like I'm, um, okay, sorry, just getting going again. Uh, looks like we, <laughs> sorry, it is, um, we're still having issues with uh, our Facebook Live connecting. It's deciding if it wants to cooperate. Oh, it looks like we might be live on Facebook now. So we'll see. Um, if you are on Facebook and you are just seeing me go live now, we apologize for the delay. We had some issues, uh, some technical difficulties, but it looks like we are all up and running again. Um, 
So thank you to those of you watching on YouTube and those of you on Rumble and Facebook watching us live right now, those of you who will watch us later um, or on other platforms. Um, we appreciate your grace and, and your patience as we uh, try to navigate all these technical difficulty waters here. Um, but uh, today is certainly going to be an important discussion that we're going to have uh, with the Michigan Republican Secretary of State nominee, as well as going into the discussion of the um, petitions that are currently being cir circulated in the state of Michigan. Again, if you don't live in Michigan, but you're watching us you know, today, please uh, make sure to still listen and check this um, episode out because we're going to give you information on the kinds of petitions that you could be seeing in your own state, what kinds of information you should be looking for about those petitions, and ways you could help if you want to see those petitions go through, or possibly what kinds of things you can do to stop those petitions if you think there is something quite atrocious uh, being circulated in your state, such as some of the petitions that are being circulated in Michigan right now. Um, so um, looks like we are still good on Rumble, Facebook, YouTube at this point. So that's good. Just wanted to take a, a chance to double check that. And um, our guest has, uh, like I mentioned, she's got a pretty tight schedule. So she has not quite hopped on there yet. I'm just going to uh, make sure because all my notifications and everything are off. I'm just going to make sure she is all good to go. And uh, if she needs to delay just a bit, we will go ahead and jump into our discussion of the petitions and come back to our um, um, our interview with her. I'm just telling her we're live now. Okay, so um, we have Marsha asking on YouTube about one of the petitions, the Decertify Michigan. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and we have Jane on YouTube saying she's going to be watching us on YouTube instead of Facebook because of, uh, well, censorship and all the rest. I'm actually a little bit afraid about uh, how this uh, interview is going to go and some of the topics we'll be talking about because there are keywords you're allowed to say now on mainstream social media and there's keywords you're not allowed to say on mainstream social media now. Otherwise, you will get uh, in trouble, put in timeout, censored, blocked, you name it. So hopefully we can give a informative, truthful, vibrant discussion today on these important topics without getting... Uh, put in the uh, Facebook guillotine or whatnot, as uh, some of the people have been discussing it. So, um, all right, we will go ahead and roll into our discussion of the uh, petitions. Again, if you are just joining us, I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry, and we do have a special guest all lined up for us today, but I told her to join us a little bit later on in, so we had a chance to work out any of these technical bugs and um, get the introduction to her. In fact, let me go ahead and back up with that. 
Um, I'm going to do the introduction now. Our uh, guest is, like I said, the Michigan Republican nominee for Secretary of State, who will be on the November 2020 uh, election ballot for the state of Michigan. She will be challenging um, Jocelyn Benson. She is, um, her name is Christina Caramo. I think I said that right this time. I've only known her a couple of years. It's not like I should be able to pronounce her name correctly by now. I've even had her send me a file that I could play over and over again. Oh, here she is. She is joining us. Um, all right. So I was just telling everybody that, uh, first of all, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm just going to turn up volume a little bit on my side so I can hear you a little bit better. Um, I was, uh, why don't you do me the favor of uh, go ahead and... Um, telling everybody exactly who you are, just to make sure that I did not mess up the pronunciation of your last name again. Yes, I'm Christina Caramo, and I'm the Republican candidate for Michigan Secretary of State. Okay, I think that's how I said it. Yay, me. Okay. <laughs> so um, I was telling them it's only, I've only known you for like two years, so it's not like I should know how to actually say your name by now, I guess. Um, <laughs> um so um, let's see, we have uh, not as much time as, I mean, we could spend hours asking you all kinds of great questions. So yeah. uh, trying to think of some of the best ones that we have today. And, and uh, I apologize to our viewers. We um, started off on a little bit uh, shaky technical footing today. Of course, technology is always fun, but uh, Facebook didn't want to play nice with us in our live feed, but we're up. We're up and running on, on all of those, and this will also replay later. But um, all right. I was hoping there's a way I could minimize my screen and make yours bigger, but um, okay. I guess I'll just make us both bigger. Um, <laughs> so I guess I should have done my hair instead of just brushing it. Um, anyway, um, so you decided um, very quickly, actually, well, yes, very quickly. I, I will take the time to do this now. But um, you are not just some person, some politician, somebody who's been in politics for a long time, somebody who, um, you know, has only ever worked uh, in government and, you know, you have all these political connections and you you know, it's just the next thing you want to do. I'm talking for you, I realize, but I'm on a time crunch. So uh, rather, you are an actual person, uh, a mother, a Christian. Um, you, in fact, are a mother of two. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. And uh, they're teenagers. Is that right? Yep. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Having survived Thanks three <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm enjoying my youngest being only eight right now. Yay. Um, but once you get to that 18 year old mark, you are no longer legally responsible for the choices they make. So look forward to that. Um, anyway, um, so you are in this fight because you've lived in Michigan for quite some time. And um, what have you, what's uh, very quickly, what is your background? What is it besides running for office? Is it that you do? Yeah, so I'm a college professor. I also have a master's in Christian apologetics. So actually, I was uh, on my way going into the ministry. I finished theology school, earning my master's from Biola University in Christian apologetics in the spring of 2020. So think about that. So I, of course, I mean, I would not go to theology school if my goal was to be secretary of state. My goal was to go and spread the gospel because fundamentally the problem in our society is not because of government. The problem in our society is hearts absent of God. That's the fundamental problem in our society. And so that's what I was really focused on because I 
care about people's souls and I wanted to see change. And I understood that fundamentally, you know, people like to, as I like to think about like antibiotic, you know, people take antibiotics to get rid of the infection, but there's an underlying condition. So I was more focused on the underlying condition of our problems. However, I feel very politically active, precinct delegate, you know, I'm on state committee, all that good stuff, a spokeswoman for my county party, because we have a responsibility to be engaged in government beyond just getting mad voting every two to four years. You know, that's so irresponsible of us. So I was a volunteer during the 2020 election. I was a poll challenger at the TCF Center in Detroit. And I personally witnessed illegal activity. I personally witnessed a process designed to facilitate corruption with tons of gaping holes that opened the door for corruption if one wanted to do so. And after witnessing that and coming before the Senate Oversight Committee and testifying about what I saw and just being told, you know, thank you for sharing your story. I mean, I'm not a kindergartner and this being story time. I'm an adult, I'm a citizen. I've told you I've witnessed a crime and I want you to do something about it and nothing was done. And, and one of the things that's really important is, you know, we hear the move on crowd. Like, you know, you guys need to move on. 2020 is over with. Why are we still talking about it? They are part of the problem. You know, the yep. thing about it is, is when someone is allowed to get away with a crime, what would stop them from doing it again? Why would we knock doors for you? Why would we campaign for you? Put money into your campaign at the end of the day. I don't even know if my vote's going to count or not. So, so it's just, and beyond that, it's about we the people maintain control of our government. Our Declaration of Independence states that the government derived their just powers from the consent of the governed. How does the government give their consent? It's through the election process. So even though the other issues of Secretary of State are extremely important, you know, making sure we have adequate services at our branch offices, bringing more local control and local say-so into our branch offices, there are 131 branch offices across Michigan. And every community has unique needs that need to be respected and considered when developing a policy for those branch offices to make sure that the needs of the citizens are met. However, the most important job of the Secretary of State is Chief Election Officer. And if we have corruption in our election systems, that is a national security threat. It is it's a total national security threat because why wouldn't a foreign or domestic enemy want to exploit loopholes in our election system? And then besides, you just saw, I believe it was in Genesee County, the clerk of Flint or a city in Genesee County, I don't want to misspeak, but was just caught because she clipped ballot seals in an August primary in 2020. So, you know, sometimes you have organized efforts like we saw with 2000 Mule, or we'll have some individuals just decided I'm going to break, break the law. None of it is acceptable, and none of it is acceptable, excuse me. And then we hear the phrase, well, there was no widespread fraud. Well, how much of a crime is okay? A little bit of a crime is okay? You know, this, 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 all of this combined made me say enough running for Secretary of State because it's just too much, and I'm tired of expecting other people to do what I'm capable of doing myself. So That's real it. quick, if anybody wants to know more about where Christina stands on some of those uh, particular E-Day issues, I'm trying not to use words that'll get us thrown off of certain social media sites. There is a movie that has been released. I believe you can still view it uh, perhaps even for free through Rumble. Um, it's uh, 2000 Mules. I haven't seen it yet, but um, correct me if I'm wrong, Christina, but you you have seen it and it is the... Um, you would stand behind uh, the evidence that is talked about and the and the um, highlighting that is done throughout that of what the problems were? I have yet to see the film. I will be seeing it soon. In fact, we're having an event. We're having a fundraiser on the 19th uh, with the film. However, I have seen footage. And one of the particular videos that is very upsetting 
is that there's this woman who appears to be, and I say appears for legal reasons, but she's sitting in her car signing multiple ballots. Now, we know everybody can only cast one vote, and you can't sign for another person. So clearly, this is a crime. And this woman is signing ballot after ballot after ballot after ballot after ballot after ballot. And then she goes and takes these ballots and puts them into a drop box. Well, folks, that's illegal. You know, not only is ballot harvesting illegal in the state of Michigan, some states they do permit ballot harvesting, but signing for another person is, is, is illegal. You can't do that. So that is something that I've witnessed on film. So that's really not up for debate. Or the gentleman who has on a ski mask and is carrying hundreds of ballots under his arm, which is, again, the ballots are to be wrapped and protected in a particular way. Again, this is another crime. So they have surveillance footage of crimes. So that, you know, that in itself is stand behind. Now, the question becomes, you know, how prevalent was it in Michigan? We really don't know because we haven't had a meaningful investigation. But any amount, even if it's 10 ballots were impacted, any amount is too much and it needs to be fixed because it's all a threat to our republic. Thank you. I guess uh, my point that I wanted to let people know about is you have a lot more that you would like to say about that, but I'm afraid to let you say too much so we don't get shut down on certain yes. social media platforms. Um, but in general, from what you know of, of that movie, it would speak to a lot of the concerns that you have about what happened and um, what we need to do basically to move forward. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So um, one of the other things um Man, there's like I said, there's just so much. But um, there's uh, there's several parts of the Constitution I'm going to talk about with our viewers uh, in just a, a little bit. I'll save that part uh, for the end. But um, being a, a constitutional officer, meaning that uh, the title of Secretary of State is actually written into the state constitution, and actually it's referenced uh, in several places of the U.S. Constitution that I'll go over later, but um, being a constitutional officer in general, what does that, um, does that have a meaning for you, or, or what kind of standard would, would that hold those particular individuals to? The Constitution is a standard. All things should be subject to the Constitution if an action is in any way threatening or undermining our state's Constitution and our U.S. Constitution, that's a problem. You know, when I think of the Michigan Constitution, it starts with the all political power is inherent in the people. And part of making sure the power stays in the people is having control of our election system. And so our entire state's constitution is filtered through that lens that political power rests within the people. And the only way we're able to exercise that is when we vote. So, so it is so important. And, and to your point, Catherine, we get away from our constitutional responsibilities and duties and restrictions, because it's not just what the constitution tells us to do, it's what the constitution doesn't give us permission to do. Because I believe in the concept of negative rights more so than the, the government is, exists to protect my rights. It's not existing to give me rights. My rights are given to me by God. And so we need people in elected office who understand that and who believe that and adhere to that because all decisions that are being made need to be made through that lens because if not, are going to disenfranchise the people. And we cannot open the door and allow people's constitutional rights to be eroded before political expediency. And that, that's the problem we're in. This is not a Democrat versus Republican fight we're in. This is someone, either people who are for the citizens or someone who's against the citizens' rights. That's what this boils down to. And so we have to have people in office who understand what the Constitution is and why it exists. That way they can adhere to it, because otherwise it just turns out to be a, 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 a piece of paper. 
The, Const the Constitution on, written on paper doesn't mean anything if it's not being implemented by those who hold those offices that it lines out. Man, I had so many follow-up questions, but it's like you and I have been hanging out for a while. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe like we even co-hosted a show together a while back. Um, but, uh, yeah, exactly. It's uh, so many of the things that you said are, are spot on. So um, I guess my thought is, you know, um, Article 11, Section 1 of the Michigan State Constitution, uh, MCL 15.151, uh, U.S. Constitution Article 6, all those require um, that office holders take an oath of office before stepping into that role. It sounds like, um, although you didn't officially use the word oath, you were talking about that everything has to be done through and filtered through uh, what is allowed by the Constitution. And by that, I guess I want to clarify, because I heard it, but just in case others are confused, um, you're, you're, what you're saying is that the Constitution doesn't give us, the government doesn't give us our rights. We have those, they're given to us by God, but the people who are in office, um, you use the term rights, but they, the, uh, their ability to act or not act is given to them specifically by the words of the Constitution, right? So when you said something right. about having the right to act or negative rights, that kind of thing. Um, it's not that we have to have permission as individuals to act. It's that as office holders, uh, people need to uh, make sure the permission to act is given in that constitution before they take that action. Is that correct? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So um, it's funny because I hadn't really looked at too much of this before about a week and a half ago when I was on um, a national radio show that the, the host was based out of California. And he was, he wanted to talk about the, the, actually he wanted to talk about the first 10 amendments. And I said, your show is only two hours long. How are we going to do that? Needless to say, we didn't finish the full discussion, but um, he wanted to start at the 10th amendment. And I said, okay, well, let's start with the ninth. And he kind of raised an eyebrow and he's like, all right, go ahead. Uh, and then through the course of that conversation, we developed the understanding that really the ninth comes first, uh, as everybody know, who knows how to count understands, the ninth comes first because the ninth is focused on the rights given to us by God, all those unenumerated rights that are given to us um, that we are given as individuals. They're given to us as people. We don't turn around and, and delegate rights. Rights are ours as inherently as being human. Then you go to the 10th Amendment, and the 10th Amendment talks about the powers. And those powers, the authority to act or not act um, out, you know, outwardly towards others or, or you know, things of that nature in, in society as a collective, those powers are actually... Uh, reserved to the people unless we are giving them to the state through state constitutions or we are giving them to the U.S. government in, uh, you know, by the U.S. Constitution. So state and federal governments don't ever have rights. Office holders don't ever have rights as an office holder. What they do have is they might have the authority or the power to act or to take certain action. Uh, and it might sound like a... Um, a nitpicking play on words kind of thing or, or whatnot, but it's important to realize that rights are what God gave us. Authority is what an office holder has to do or not do something. So that kind of goes hand in hand with what you were, everything else that you were just saying there. So, 
Um, anyway, so for those who have heard me in the last couple of weeks, I wanted to clarify that that's what you meant. Um, you weren't meaning that uh, we answer to only, you know, the powers or the rights given to us in, in the Constitution or anything. So, um, so what are your thoughts about, you know, we have uh, later on in this show, I'm going to be discussing a lot of the constitutional and um, constitutional amendment petitions and uh, initiative uh, petitions to get new state laws enacted in the state of Michigan. Uh, there's a there's a lot going on there. Um, I would say that the process, having been someone who drafted a constitutional amendment petition and circulated one uh, throughout the entire state in 2020, um, that the process is overwhelming and it's hard to understand. And the average uh, intelligent um, Michigan resident, U.S. citizen, can't really understand it without tripping up in some way, shape, or form. Would you agree that's kind of the status of uh, being able to circulate any kind of petition in Michigan? I think there are some rules that do make it cumbersome. It does need to be more uh, user-friendly, and I think that it's to be something that citizens are more aware of. I mean, even recall petitions. I mean, this is something that people need to utilize a lot more once someone is in office to be able to recall them out of office. That's something that many citizens don't even know they have, because to fundamentally even find the answers to that, I mean, something that may sound simple, but get to your point, is just the layout of the Secretary of State's website. So when citizens are trying to find that information on what to do to start a citizen's petition or a constitutional amendment or a recall petition, we need to make sure that that information is more readily available to people so they can get the job done. And also the, the process of checking signatures once, once any type of petition, a, a candidate is submitting signatures, there needs to be a process where people can check along the way because I'm aware of individuals who may have hired individuals to collect signatures and they present them with bogus signatures or there's individuals who might hide signatures. I know a woman who ran for clerk in the city and she had some person who volunteered to collect signatures and they were doing something bogus. So we need to have a process as well for candidates to be able to verify, not just candidates, but groups who are, you know, launching different petitions to be able to verify signatures along the way, or they run the risk of being having their petition tossed out or or being their candidacy ended, because that, that is a big problem. We need to encourage more citizen engagement. And to your point, if the Secretary of State's office is ran per the rule of law, per the Constitution, and ran from with again with the beginning of our state's constitution saying that all political power is inherent to people then that office would be way more friendly to the citizenry because whether it's casting a vote or recall petition or what have you that is the that office holder is is critical to make sure that the people maintain control of their government so that it needs to be a lot more user friendly and explained in a lot better fashion as well because I, it's some things i have legally that I, you know that I, I have issues with like you you have to have the signature, you know, a bias, like 180 days and certain limitations in regards to collecting signatures. And what if it takes me a longer period of time to get signatures? Should my should my petition therefore be invalidated because I took too long to collect all the signatures? I understand there has to be a constraint in time, but I just think that some of these constraints really kind of disenfranchise people and don't encourage more citizen engagement because if the Secretary of State's office was ran with citizen first, then we would have way more citizen participation and better control over our government because oftentimes citizens are encouraged to vote. But the second part of that equation is holding people accountable. That isn't advocated as much. And I feel that the Secretary of State has a critical role in account government accountability as well. 
Exactly. And I would agree that it might sound something that's, you know, simple or silly, you know, talking about the website. But I noticed that as soon as she took office, that website was crap. You can't really find things on there. Quite frankly, anything at Michigan.gov. It's it's hard to find what you're looking for. It's things are overly complex. And most recently, I found, especially on the Secretary of State side, there's a lot of broken links. So if you go to example the the page of the Secretary of State website where all these petitions are supposed to be, you know, where all their links are supposed to be, you click and you get a 404 error for every single one until you get towards the bottom, and they somehow start working again, which I find very. Um, I don't know. Uh, interesting to say the least. Um, the la the only place that I was able to find the actual links all connected and working was if you follow enough links to go to the board of law or board of law examiners. Obviously, I'm an attorney. Board of uh, state canvassers uh, portion of that site, and then at the bottom, after it talks about who they are and what they do, at the bottom, then they have links to all the current petitions there. But again, that's something that the Secretary of State website should make much more easy to understand and uh, be able to have access to. Um, you know, certainly, um, I, I do appreciate that there's um, some links to some different PDFs and things that are on the website about different, um, you know, like ways to get involved as a, as a poll worker, as a poll watcher, you know, poll challenger, um, all kinds of different things. There are actually those websites, uh, links right on the Secretary of State website. I'd say they could probably be a little bit better, um, but there's informational sheets that go along with that, you know, different crimes, election crimes that they've chosen to highlight throughout the years. And I don't know if those were actually things put out by the current administration or prior years. Uh, certainly, I would ask that if you win this election, you definitely not just take a look at the website as a whole, but each of those types of um, handouts, printouts, PDFs, whatever, that we're actually making sure the, the corrupt law is being summarized. Um, I'm sure you're well aware that in October of 2020, uh, Jocelyn Benson decided she was going to put out this whole broadcast telling all the election workers across the state that it was illegal to uh, carry a firearm into um, the polling places. And uh, that was clearly not what the law said at all. And so it took a group that was actually doing um, their spot on, they're, they're on top of it, and they were able to fight it. And uh, I want to say that fight ended in the Michigan Court of Appeals. Um, I want to say it was maybe a week before the election, but they were able to clarify, nope, she can't just make stuff up. <laughs> She's got to go with what laws are there. But at any rate, all the more reason that, you know, a lot of these cheat sheets and pamphlets and FAQs and things uh, in print and on the website are essential to people having that access to government, to having that control over government, to being able to participate. So um, definitely um, people are People like me are going to uh, uh, be urging for you to make some of those changes uh, as quickly as possible once you get in there, especially, you know, you never know, right? A lot of people thought Trump was going to have for sure that that second term. And uh, there's a lot of questionable things that led to him not having that. But uh, nevertheless, um, something similar could happen in the situation of you having a second term. So we need to make sure from day one, we're able to go in there full speed ahead and make some of these changes that need to be done so we can have our constitutional republic back. So I'm glad mm -hmm. that you're talking about all those things. Um, you did mention uh, having some access uh, to the offices and, and we kind of glossed over that really quick because there's so many other major points, but I think it's a, a big thing that 
you know, when Whitmer shut down Michigan, when governors all across, across the country were shutting down their states, we were losing the ability to actually go in and see these government officials appointed or elected face to face. And you lose accountability just by not having that. Um, so I assume that uh, when you, you said it, that one of your your points would be to make sure those offices are open. They're open during full, normal business hours, that they are functional and staffed. And that information is is there for people to, you know, be able to see what they need to see. They don't have to have, make appointments for three months out, that kind of thing. Is that basically what your stance on uh, the whole office is? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We need to have both walk-in and appointment services because one of the problems is Jocelyn Benson is trying to push everybody to an appointment system. And then one of the issues is that, you know, some places they're still having backlogs. Some places are still waiting, you know, a month or several weeks to get in. There there are places, you know, some people may say, well, my place, my location isn't like that. There's 131 branch offices across the state. I'm talking to someone recently where they had to cancel one appointment because they got an appointment at the Secretary of State. There are so many operations that were required to do in person or via mail. Just think of a handicap placard. Let's say you live in a community where your secretary of state, it may be a week or two before you can get into that branch office and you need a handicap lacquer because either you have to do it in person at a branch office or through the mail. That's unacceptable for people to have to wait that long for needed government services. And as I mentioned before, we need to have more consideration for the needs of the local community because every community has different industries that they deal with. So some may deal with more agricultural vehicles and some may also deal with him and more used car lots. So that means they're going to have a certain set of needs that that branch manager is going to need to be able to accommodate instead of this centralized one size fits all approach that Jocelyn Benson has. And also, you know, people being limited to the amount of transactions they can do per appointment. But that doesn't make any sense. So we have to have both the walk in and appointment system. I would like to see the amount of kiosks that are available expand. And I also would like to see us partnering with local businesses to provide certain services that the Secretary of State does provide. That way we can cut down on wait times. For example, renewing your registration or registering a vehicle or you know things of that nature. Let's say you bought a vehicle off of another person and you want to register that vehicle while purchasing insurance. If we allow insurance agents to also provide some of those services like renewing plates, then that means that you'll have competition, which means that necessarily those businesses are going to want to service you quickly. And they may provide additional services and that will cut down on wait times. I mean, the Secretary of State is such a bloated bureaucracy. If people want any indication of that, Secretary of State brings in $2.9 billion a year to the state of Michigan. Only 7% of that actually goes to running the Michigan Department of State. The other 93% goes into the general fund. So additionally, the Secretary of State's office has turned into a cash cow for the state of Michigan. So when you're looking at things like IRP plates or how auto dealers and auto repair facilities are being uh, regulated, you see that there's a great rule for abuse and the Secretary of State's office to bring in tons of money for the state of Michigan. I mean, even the amount of money it costs to renew your vehicle, you know, it's based on MSRP. That's totally ridiculous. Why is it based on MSRP? If I'm driving a 20-year-old a Mercedes, okay, that car was not very expensive to purchase, but to register and renew my plate is expensive. So those, those are so many things that need to be changed. And, I, and because that the corruption in our election system is just such a massive issue, Sometimes the other issues in the Secretary of State's office get glanced over and we can't allow that to happen. Because all of the issues 
are important. Like secretary, uh, the auto dealers and auto repair facilities, they're being abused. You know, the Secretary of State, when they go in and, and conduct a, an inspection, it really turns into an investigation where they're looking for these facilities to see if they made a had a violation. I'm talking about it could be a minor clerical error, or like a comma or something missing or a zero missing. And they can leverage whatever fines they want against this business. It could be $100. It could be a $2,000. It's at the complete discretion of the Secretary of State. And then they use these unconstitutional administrative courts. But there's really nothing you could do about it. You know, there, there's nothing you can do to really fight back. I mean, you can make your case, but the, the administrative hearing, they're judge, jury, and prosecutor. They're everything. So uh, uh, th th there's lots of issues going on in the Secretary of State. You know, I'm made aware of elder abuse being perpetrated by abuses in the notary system, you know, for fraudulent documents being notarized. So there's so many things going wrong in Secretary of State's office that it needs to be totally cleaned up. And, and this is the thing that's important for people to understand. These issues are not complicated. It just it takes a person of courage and character to make those remedies. So that, that's what it boils down to. All right. Well, I totally appreciate all the thorough <coughs> thoroughness of your answers and uh, the discussions that we're having. Um, you um, you have a website that kind of, mm -hmm. I'm assuming, goes into a lot of detail on some of these issues. Uh, yeah. What is that website? The website is ChristinaCaramo.com, and we have launched our Money for Liberty initiative. And so we're really reaching out, asking people for their financial support because, you know, we see that our country is on a trajectory towards tyranny we are our country is being taken over by these authoritarians who care nothing about you or i and so it's really important for people to understand that campaigns cost a lot of money you know we get very frustrated with the political class you know they're pumping up their people who only seek to serve themselves but any amount is is, is would be so much appreciated five dollars or five thousand dollars it's like this you can't get upset at the political class for funding their corrupt politicians if you're not even willing to sacrifice a cheeseburger for your liberty so we need your financial support. If you're going to make it, we're going to make this happen. We need people all over America to support our campaign because they're pouring millions of dollars into the incumbent's campaign because the seat of the presidency comes through Michigan. And so what the leftists do is they dump money into battleground states because they know if they can take over the battleground states and they'll control the federal government. So we need patriots all across America to support our effort to make sure that the people of Michigan actually have a say in our election process and therefore making sure the people of America have a say who's heading to Washington. So we need your support. ChristinaCaramo.com. Like my name is spelled at the bottom. Christina with a K, Karamo with a K, ChristinaCaramo.com. Yeah, that's really important, uh, important, an important point that for those of you watching, not just in Michigan, um, especially in Michigan, but quite frankly, anywhere in the United States, or quite frankly, anywhere in the world, if you value what a constitutional republic is supposed to look like, if you value God-given liberties in any way, shape, or form, if you value what the restrictions and limitations written into the very documents, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States, let alone the Constitution of each of the states individually, then take an interest in this race. Take an interest, quite frankly, in all the Secretary of State races that would be happening this year, uh, the governor races the attorney general races. Those are going to be important. And certainly, as she mentioned, the battleground states, Michigan, as we all know, even if you you know never have lived in Michigan, you've heard about it on election day because it's always been one of those states that can change the outcome of an entire 
election. So this election, this upcoming election is very important. And yes, there are millions of dollars being poured into uh, the Democrat candidate campaign. But let me tell you this, um, I know from running uh, for office uh, several years back in Michigan, specifically in West Michigan, where a lot of the conservative uh, funders or donors are located. In fact, they were in my specific district. I had to door knock in those areas, most of which were gated communities. So it was a little harder. But anyway, uh, I know personally that the people who typically donate the big bucks to the Republican campaigns are not very likely to support Christina because one thing, and, and I don't mean this to be sarcastic or whatever, but quite frankly, she likes and understands the Constitution and she's not easily bought out. So they're not going to be giving her large sums of money as they should if they really valued the Republican platform and they wanted to make sure they were getting people in office that also valued that Republican platform. So when she's saying every dollar matters, it does. You know, with 10 million people in Michigan alone, if each person gave her $5, well, that's a lot of money she could spend on a campaign. And in a lot of places, especially with, you know, McDonald's now hiring at $15 an hour, that, you know, that's going to not even cover a cheeseburger these days, but yet mm -hmm. it can cover your share of freedom. So uh, again, her website is her name. Um, it is your name, right? Your name.com. Yeah, ChristinaCaramo.com. Okay. Yep. And we won the endorsement. I don't know if the audience is aware, but we've won our state convention two weeks ago, 67% of the votes. So I am the Republican nominee. And so it's me and the Democratic opposition. And I need your support. Absolutely. So make sure to check out her website to see how else you can help her. I'm sure, Christina, you are also accepting volunteers through your website that might be willing mm -hmm. to make calls, knock on doors, uh, just tell people about you at their church, their work, their whatever. Every little bit helps. Um, and it doesn't matter if somebody's in the big city like Detroit or if they're in a small little town like Greenville, Michigan, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it all matters. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We've done over 200 events in the primary and so now that we're in the general we're going to take it up a significant notch and get all over to talk to citizens across michigan because to your point what we're fighting for is not a republican versus democrat issue it's over what's right and what's wrong and we're fighting for the people of michigan and technically the secretary of state's office is not a partisan office it's really not it's just making sure you have verifiably secure elections making sure people have adequate service those are partisan concepts. It's just, this is what my tax dollars allow for. And this is what the constitution grants me. Therefore it's my job to protect it. Absolutely. So uh, make sure you guys do that. Support her in any way possible, whether you're in Michigan or not, whether you're over 18 or not, whether you're over 80 or not, this is important. And Christina, please make sure to let me know if there's any topics that come up or we know there's going to be a lot of mud being thrown out by the other side as the, as the um, campaign goes on. So if there's ever something that you think would be helpful to discuss or answer questions for people, by all means, reach out, let me know, because um, I want to make sure that people are truly informed about everything relating to our government these days. It's the only yeah. way we're going to get out of this. So, And thank you, Catherine, for having these conversations because it's the, I personally think the media is actually even bigger than this for the simple fact that if we had honest people in our media, the corruption we see in our government wouldn't even happen because they would expose it and then the people would naturally fight back. So for me, technically what you're doing 
is even bigger because it's getting the message out to people. So thank you for what you're doing. Uh, my husband is saying hi to you on YouTube. So I just wanted to. Hi. <laughs> hi. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining thank us. You. I wish we could have you more, but you have a bunch of other stuff you got to do and uh, squeeze in parenting and, and, you know, eating normal and exercising and all that other fun stuff. Right. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, I really Catherine. appreciate it. Yeah, God bless. See you later. Yes, yeah, see you later. All right, everyone. Uh, that was Christina. I hope that you found the information we talked about helpful. Um, it actually went longer than what I anticipated we would be able to discuss with her. But she jam-packed a bunch of information. And for those of you who normally listen to me, especially in the last few weeks, uh, she it's like she was listening to everything I've been saying. But uh, that's why we made a great team on uh, The Fifth Seat, a show that we were starting and, and had recorded uh, the first um, couple of seasons, um, which... Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't make traction, I guess. But uh, at any rate, uh, that's where I met her a couple years ago. And uh, I was extremely thankful to uh, meet her and be able to count on her as a friend of mine. In fact, she is the very person she she does quite a bit for the community and um, for our God given liberties, including the right to life. Uh, she's on the board of a nonprofit organization that assists in uh, unplanned pregnancies and resources to uh, moms without other resources. Um, I want to say it's the Stanton affiliate, Detroit affiliate. Anyway, um, I have information I've shared about it in the past. I'm sure if you Google her, you'd be able to see information uh, linked to her somewhere about it. But she was doing a fundraiser for that organization. It was either late um, 2020, maybe into January of 2021. And she called me up and she said, listen, Catherine, um, I have this fundraiser coming up and I wanted to do videos to uh, share one each day as this, you know, fundraiser progresses uh, to talk about important issues from important people uh, that uh, are fighting the good fight in one way, shape or form. And so what she asked me to talk about was abortion and the Constitution. And so that was honestly the first time I really took a step back and looked at it from that whole just abortion and constitution and ran with it because I had actually worked on briefs in the United States Supreme Court about this issue before, years before, uh, with the Great Lakes Justice Center and in other um, respects and capacities. And really my task in working with a group was uh, typically to, to focus on one little piece, like um, the 14th Amendment due process right and how that might relate to abortion, which is the main um, topic the U.S. Supreme Court is allegedly going to be making their um, the decision based on and releasing it uh, within about a month. But with her request and her discussion with me, we were able to open up the really put our thinking caps on and just open up and read the Constitution. And um, that video I did for her is the, the catalyst for uh, really having me be prepared to know that when Gretchen Whitmer filed that lawsuit against those 13 um, prosecutors, because she wants the court in Michigan to declare that the Michigan state constitution has within it this inherent right to an abortion, um, 
that I was immediately able to know not only was that not correct, not only is that not a right that's guaranteed in the U.S. or Michigan constitutions, but I was able to know how and how uh, the opposing side is actually where the rights lie, uh, such as, for example, the right to the unborn child's life, uh, the right to the bodily integrity that uh, a growing baby has uh, to not be um, torn apart limb by limb and uh, removed from the womb before they are ready to enter this world. So um, at any rate, there's a lot in there, but I just wanted to point out that's not something that would typically come up in a conversation or an interview where she's talking about the Secretary of State. But for those of you who want to know uh, what candidates we have for statewide positions uh, that are well-rounded and what are their thoughts and beliefs on different things, that's why I wanted to ask her about some of those other bigger issues, for example, the constitutional oath of office, what that means. And I was going to ask her about republic versus democracy and some of those key things. Uh, but she ran with it. She already knew she's even leaps and bounds ahead of quite a few of the Republican uh, candidates for governor in Michigan and in other states as well. So uh, anyway, so please take uh, a moment to get to know her, her website, volunteer, donate, whatever it is that you could do, pray. Um, but what I want to do now is um, in conjunction with what's happening at the Secretary of State's office in terms of being elected, uh, I wanted to point out, well, a few things today. We had a true or false poll being posted to our YouTube uh, community page, to uh, Facebook and Twitter and all the rest. And uh, we have, it really freaks me out to see me posting when I'm talking, um, but that's happening right now because Lori's uh, the brains behind the machine here and she's giving you the information on how to reach her. Um, but at, at any rate, by the way, Jane, uh, on YouTube, I just want to let you know that uh, she did make sure, Christina did make sure yesterday when I talked to her to tell me that she met uh, one of my security detail and she didn't say who right away. And I just said, are you talking about Jane? And she said, yeah, yeah, I've met her at a few things, but I saw her more recently and, and had a discussion with her. So uh, you definitely made an impression on her. But um, anyway, so um, as, as important as the Secretary of State race is in every state, there's a few things I guess I wanted to point out. And uh, let me see here. Um, I wanted to show, oh boy. There was so much I wanted to show you that, uh, well, I'll have to go through it later. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit later about, probably in tomorrow's video, the way, Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge, about the Secretary of State races all across the U.S. and um, some other things happening all across the U.S. So no matter what state you live in, this will be a segment you won't want to miss, as well as having some useful freedom fighting resources on Friday. Of course, we'll do our constitutional recap on Thursday. Uh, we're running low on time, so I'm actually going to save some of the Constitution segment discussion just for the recap, which normally is just a recap. But um, that way, um, it's going to make it not overwhelming to um, jump in and have all that information. But uh, there's there's quite a bit that I didn't even realize was in the Constitution through the lens of uh, Secretary of State race that um, I think we all need to pay attention to. Um, at least three pieces of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, let's see here. At least um, one, two, three, four, five, six. 
um, seven pieces of the Michigan State Constitution. And uh, they're important aspects that you really need to know what's in there because our country kind of keeps going a little bit more and more astray. And although I know we need to start somewhere, I know that we need to focus on what we can do right now and not make it too overwhelming. At the same time, once we become aware of issues, uh, we need to make sure that we're really educating ourselves on how big these problems are and ways that we can actually try to address it and solve it. And one thing is, just educating yourself, educating yourself on correcting all that misinformation and disinformation that mainstream media. And uh, unfortunately, our government has been passing along to us for way too long, which is ironic considering the new disinformation office that our um, uh, uh, former vice president, I think is how my friend Micah says it, um, has created. So in any event, wanted to point you to some petitions. Now, if you're in Michigan, this is a very brief overview in about 10 seconds or less, but I want you to take a look at Michigan Constitution, Article 2, Section 8, Article 2, Section 9, Article 12, Section 2. Those three uh, pieces to the Michigan State Constitution go over recall petitions and how to do recalls in the state of Michigan, initiatives and referendums, which deal with legislation, state law, and constitutional amendment petitions. The last being, of course, the one that I was doing with the Restore Freedom Initiative petition that began all of this uh, work in um, at least the side of it in May of 2020. So Michigan actually allows uh, and calls for specific ways for the people, the citizenry to circulate petitions and get the ball rolling to get a recall done, to have a state law enacted, to repeal, get rid of a law that the legislature has just enacted if it was um, a bad one, uh, and the constitutional amendment petition to change, add, delete, whatever uh, the uh, petitioner thinks is needed to ensure the integrity of our state constitution. Now, uh, something you might want to realize is that whether you are in Michigan or in other states, uh, the process, I've always kind of wondered about it until I really started researching, the process is not the same. In fact, it doesn't even exist everywhere in every single state. Yes, I am uh, giving a little bit of a spoiler alert to our true or false question of the day, but hey, if you want to be the one that goes on there and answers the question correctly, well, everybody else flounders, then by all means. Uh, do so. But um, not every state has a petition initiative availability for people, the citizens, to go out and circulate petitions to get a state law uh, on the ballot for the citizens to vote on at election day. Not every state does that. Not every state allows the citizenry to um, get a particular constitutional amendment on the ballot for the people to vote on on election day by circulating a petition. Not every state does that. In fact, not even half of the states do either one of those things. That is the scariest part. In fact, only 24 states in the entire U.S. do either one. And it's not a mutually exclusive thing. In fact, Michigan is one of the very only states that allows all those different pieces, the recall petitions, initiative petition, referendum petitions, constitutional amendment petitions, uh, maybe the only state that allows all of those different uh, direct um, authority types of petitions by the people to be uh, used to exercise their authority and to um, share uh, their concerns about how we need to 
uh, do things differently. So think about that. If you live in Michigan, you are extremely lucky to have the setup already in place, the framework already in place, even though the current administration and quite frankly, many of the past administrations, if not all, have made it extremely difficult to understand that process. Uh, it is there and it's written into the language of the state constitution where so many, most of the state constitutions across the U.S. do not have that. And most of you know that there is no similar provision made for um, federal laws or federal referendums or federal constitutional amendments. There is no way to do those recalls and things like that in um, uh, as guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. Those are just found in state constitutions. So um, with that being said, I wanted to uh, share some information with you. Let's see here. Um, we have, let's see, what am I going to start with first? Okay, I'm going to share this information with you here. Um, this is a website. I did not vet every single piece of information on this website. So if you catch something out of the corner of your eye, you're like, whoa, what is that? That looks like a liberal crazy talk, blah, blah, blah. It very well could be. Um, I was looking at just pure data that relates to the question that I was trying to answer. This just gives you a very brief overview and the, the lineup here is a little different, but essentially um, state statutes, um, as far as statutes go, this little chart shows which states allow um, an initiative petition, meaning to create a whole new law, which might um, repeal a law or it might create a new law, um, or to have a referendum uh, where for state statutes where the legislature has just passed a law and the refer referendum would essentially put it on the ballot to undo what the legislature just put into place. So those are regarding state statutes. The state constitution uh, being able to have a petition initiative relating to amending the state constitution, that is this third column here. Um, the I is that it's an indirect way to get it done and the D is a direct way to get it done. But as far as having that initiative petition to create state laws, you could see all of these that say none. And by the way, the only ones on this list are ones that have at least one of the options. This isn't the full list of 50. Um, and uh, popular referendum, these um, most states that have something do have at least the referendum. Uh, as far as amending the state constitution, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, don't have the ability to even petition at all relating to state constitutions. And those are states, again, that are part of um, some sort of petition ability. Okay. So 26 states don't allow you at all to um, have a petition regarding uh, a state law, um, you know, referendum, an initiative to create a new law or uh, to amend the state constitution. 26 states don't allow you to do any of those. Of the 24 that do, this is the breakdown and eight of those don't even allow you to change the state constitution at all. Of the ones that are here, again, one, two, three of those, uh, I see U.S. Virgin Islands. So, okay, the number 50 is not quite accurate. I would say 51 if that's how we're counting things. But anyway, uh, that the, the letter I means that it's an indirect initiative, means that proposals are submitted to the legislature, which has the opportunity to act on it. Uh, the initiative question will subsequently go on the ballot if the legislature rejects it. Um, 
uh, submits a different proposal or takes no action. So it doesn't just directly you get the signatures, you go on the ballot. Our constitutional uh, amendment petition process in Michigan actually bypasses the legislature. As you can see here, it's a direct onto the ballot thing, whereas the initiative just creating state laws, even laws that repeal um, old laws, uh, that's an indirect process. And so it's got an eye there for the state of Michigan. Okay, so with that being said, um, what I wanted to do is let you know a little bit about the petitions that are currently um, being circulated in the state of Michigan. And like I mentioned earlier, the Secretary of State's website is a load of garbage. The current Michigan Secretary of State website is full of missing information and 404 errors. And if you go to see the link of where it, the most obvious place to find what petitions are currently being circulated, all you get is click after click after click, link after link after link, they don't work. But if you dig in enough places, you eventually can get to the Board of State Canvassers. And at the bottom of their website, as you can see here, this is the Board of State Canvassers. The very bottom, you go through the current members, the history and duties, the meetings, which I would encourage you to take a look at these meeting minutes. Then way down here, petitions. And then you can start clicking and you can right click and open it up in another tab to see the actual petitions. So with that being said, um, Oh, I want to share something with you. I'm going to go through what each of the petitions are. Uh, let's see. There are currently 18 active petitions, according to the Secretary of State's website in the state of Michigan. Now, if you're in another state, again, this isn't going to specifically look the same, even if your state does have initiative or constitutional or referendum petitions available. But this is going to give you an example of the kinds of things that you'll be looking for, because uh, in this discussion, you'll see that we have constitutional amendment petitions being circulated and uh, we have, have initiative petitions being currently circulated in the state of Michigan. Um, I don't believe any of them were referendum. Uh, petitions. But I'm going to jump to the last one because that is one that's unique. The very last one on the list is the Patriot Party. So uh, the Constitution uh, allows for um, a new party to be added to the ballot if they meet certain requirements. And um, did I misspeak? Sorry, give me a second here. Um, Yes, I actually think that's state law. I don't think that's the Constitution. I think it's state law that allows a new party to be added to the to um, the ballot as, you know, an actual separate party with a letter designation after names and, and that uh, things of that nature. Um, and so that is what this last petition is. It's the Patriot Party. So I wanted to just quickly show you through this website, through, through the document we're going to be going over, which um, through here you can see the actual petition, um, through this, which is available through uh, the Secretary of State website, uh, if you're looking for any of these links, any of these direct links, uh, I will be sharing some of them in the Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge tomorrow. I will also be sharing all of these on Friday's Freedom Fighting Tools. So don't worry about having those exactly right now if you don't know how to find them. But the last time the Mich Michigan Secretary of State uh, updated this um, full list of statewide petitions and their status for the 2021-2022 election cycle was April 2022. You can see that at the top of this um, document here. And if you scroll all the way to the bottom, 
you'll see Patriot Party, which will need 42,506 signatures, which if you asked me a couple years ago, um, four years ago or more when I was working with uh, Barbara Bookout and several others uh, that are conservative and wanted to see something else change since um, all the parties were failing us at the time. When we looked at this, that's really sounded like an insurmountable thing. But man, at least these days, I think we could go out and get 42,000 signatures in a weekend. Um, but that's just me. Um, considering I was shooting for literally 10 times that in the Restore Freedom Initiative Constitutional Amendment petition. But anyway, if you look at this one, if you click on it and follow all the links, that is the website that opens up here and it shows you what they stand for. This is their platform. Um, constitutional conservatism, individual freedom, keeping America great, having small government, term limits, voter integrity, um, other issues where they're talking about um, open books, judicial system, immigration, influence, and they have links to the United States Constitution and the Constitution of the state of Michigan. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, typical information that you can find out here, ways, uh, the events they have, uh, ways to donate, uh, their leadership, uh, ways to volunteer, contact, etc. So I just wanted to show you that because in looking at this, um, I wanted to just check it out because I wanted to give you a very brief understanding of do I in fact uh, give a thumbs up or thumbs down on these 18 different petitions. So I wanted to take a look and sure enough, this party looks like it's the real deal. So um, now this doesn't mean it's um, you know, getting rid of the Republican Party or that it's doing anything to the Republican candidates that are already, you know, like we just had Christina on and, and last week we had Ryan on uh, as a Republican candidate for uh, Michigan uh, governor uh, in the upcoming elections. So um, it doesn't change anything with them. This is something to get another option on the ballot. So with that being said, give me just a minute here because I am going to um, share um, something else with you guys from my screen. I just need a moment to pull it up. And hmm. well, it's not going to share it exactly as I would want to. Um, shoot, I'll just make it super big. All right. Um, there we go, that's helping a little bit. Get it zooming in a little bit more. Okay, so, perfect. Ah, well, I no longer know how to hide the little, there we go, okay. All right, so um, going through this item by item, I had people that were asking uh, at the start of this video, I've had people that were asking, uh, all over, you know, for months on various different uh, petitions, what my thoughts were. Uh, and there's 18 of them. So I can't devote a whole hour to discussing the ins and outs of each of them. But here goes. Um, the Unlock 2 petition. Uh, the Unlock 1 petition was the one where they were gathering signatures to um, set aside the 1945, completely repeal the 1945 Emergency Powers of Governor Act. Um, I agreed that that law needed to go away. I was fighting the fight in the U.S., uh, excuse me, in the Michigan Supreme Court on that issue. And ironically enough, the Michigan Supreme Court declared that that statute was totally unconstitutional anyway, on the very same day that Stand Up Michigan turned in the needed signatures uh, to get that ball rolling to repeal it. 
But this particular time, they chose not to get rid of the public health code, chapter 333 in its entirety. They chose not to repeal MCL 333.2253 or 2453. Those are the two statutes that allow the state public health department and the local health departments to issue emergency orders that can apparently look exactly like governor executive orders that were turned down in the Michigan Supreme Court in October 2020. Um, so instead of repealing, what this petition is doing is putting a 28-day cap unless the state legislature or the local governing body extends it. So they're trying to make it just like the 1976 Emergency Management Act. As the governor in the, in the Emergency Management Act, or in this case, the Department of uh, Health and Human Services director can issue these orders that uh, shut down businesses, that require masks, that require vaccines, that require all of those other things. Uh, this petition allows that to happen for at least 28 days without the permission of any other governing body. And if the legislature, or if it's a smaller unit of government we're talking about, if they decide to go ahead and give an extension like the Michigan legislature did to the governor's orders in April of 2020, then it can continue in perpetuity. So I'm not sure why they did that. Quite honestly, I have no clue why so many supposed conservatives are pushing this petition because this petition is saying the government could shut down your business, your schools, inject you and force masks on you and do everything else they want to stop you from having Easter dinner or Mother's Day in your home uh, or out at a park or being able to buy paint or seeds or all the other stuff that these crazy orders were doing. They are saying that is okay as long as the legislature gets a say at 28 days and that they can keep approving it if they want to. Clearly, we don't trust the legislature because they've been screwing us over for a long time, but certainly out in the open for the last two years. Anyway, won't take too much time on this petition, but that is why I don't support this one. It's totally different than what they did with the Unlock One petition. Secure Michigan vote. I did not read the actual petition. Hear me out. I did not read the actual language of the entire petition here. There are 18 of them, right? Um, but in reading the summary, I would give my thumbs up on this because it's requiring um, more stringent requirements for ID, for being able to vote. Um, some of the other particular things here that I liked were... Um, it prohibited officials from making absentee ballot applications available except when a voter asks for it. If a voter wants a valid uh, uh, absentee ballot application mailed to them, then they can ask for one. But they can't just mail them out en masse like they did since Benson took office. That's not okay. In fact, when I went in to vote on November 3rd, 2020, I was initially told that I had already voted absentee. And I was like, the hell I did. I did not vote. In fact, I was currently being beat up in Allegan County by three goons that don't understand the Constitution. I sure as hell did not vote ahead of time because that wasn't my plan for Election Day. Um, uh, instead, they I think eventually maybe figured it out, but they at least pretended to allow me to vote eventually. Uh, and uh, anyway, so that is. Um, oh, another big thing here. It prohibits donations to funding elections. In other words, Zuckerbucks and all those other privately funded things uh, to fund certain tools or mechanisms to make the secretary of state or election process run. Uh, those private donor donations are going to be prohibited with this um, initiative petition. So uh, again, just reading on the summary, I 
give my thumbs up on that. There's a Michigan United petition, which is um, trying to address the criminal uh, justice system, mandatory sentencing laws, uh, trying to give credit for those who are in jail or in prison and they're earning a college degree or they're earning trade certifications. Uh, they are uh, working in a training program. Maybe they're earning special rehabilitation credits if they have disabilities. Uh, their um, extra credits are being allowed for uh, uh, people who are serving time in prison, but they're minors or they're military veterans. Um, they also, in this petition, want to uh, have the Department of Corrections make rules for uh, disciplinary time and earned credits, et cetera, et cetera. In general, I'm totally against allowing any department to promulgate rules. Every time those words are used, promulgate rules, I generally want to give a big fat, but Although that's the bigger concern, this petition might be uh, a viable way to address some uh, realistic concerns, keeping corrections costs down, enhancing the actual elements of rehabilitation and restorative justice, perhaps. Um, but I don't know that for sure. So I've put a big question mark. Things that I want you to think about as you look into these particular petitions. The yes on the national popular vote. There's a lot going on in there. Um, the um, basically the it's a workaround for the electoral college, saying that the electoral college votes need to essentially go along with the popular vote, and uh, there's a lot going on with that. Uh, way too much for us to discuss here. I've just put a big question mark on that. I want you to thoroughly research that to decide if you want to jump in to help that petition or to stop it in some way. Uh, let Michigan kids learn A and B. There are two petitions. The first one establishes uh, the scholarship program and uh, it, it sets up certain monies for different things and uh, sets up uh, scholarship granting organizations and they have a bunch of rules and uh, the ways that they can um, collect money and the ways that they can distribute these scholarship funds. Uh, the, the B petition goes along with that and it creates tax credits and this complicated scheme for um, whether the tax credit limitations uh, for the whole state can be um, increased or not, uh, depending on certain factors. Quite frankly, it sounds complicated. It's a complicated way to address educational freedom. It's a complicated way to address uh, those who um, want to have different educational options. Uh, it may be um, a viable way to address or alleviate some concerns, but on an overarching basis, it's a way that complicates things. Let's delete, let's eliminate uh, a lot of these restrictions. Let's look at actually changing the actual education laws in the state of Michigan. That would be my primary um, goal or, or what I think would be best given our constitutional republic that we have. Uh, but it's not to say there's nothing good that could come out of these, but for those reasons, uh, they are getting uh, the big question marks. Michiganders for fair lending. Uh, this one, 
it's basically if you go to a payday loan place and they want to charge you 40% interest and all that, this particular law, if it becomes enacted and voted on, et cetera, approved, um, it would void any transactions where uh, the lender is trying to get more than 36%. And it um, provides a lot of other you know, nuanced things to this. I'm not sure. I know that people, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb. I haven't asked Steve Johnson about this, but state rep Steve Johnson, uh, generally from what I know about him and probably our prior uh, third district um, uh, Congressman Justin Amash, uh, that libertarian aspect would probably say that this is a big fat no for them because they believe in a true free market economy uh, where people can um, freely enter into contracts as they see fit. If they're choosing to enter into that contract, so be it. Generally speaking, I, I like that frame of reference or that thought, but um, there may be some good things to hear, uh, just things that I think you should think about. Do we really want the government controlling how we have contracts? That's a bigger question. That would be my concern as well. Um, so big fat question marks, but I do have big concerns. Um, on that one. And um, I was lumping it in for some reason with Audit Michigan. Audit Michigan is wanting to basically redo um, the 2020 Michigan elections and um, have a separate audit, um, uh, being able to um, have certain people that are on this. My biggest concerns here are that the people that are put onto this audit board are selected by the Speaker of the House for the Republican Party and by uh, the minority leader for the Democrat Party. Um, that uh, the, it's why, why do we need the political elite selecting more people? If you want the people to be able to do things, then why don't we elect those particular people? I don't get the concept of adding another um layered to the bureaucracy. That doesn't help. That doesn't make it any more transparent. It doesn't actually give us a better audit. Um, the more I think about it, it's a big fat no for me, although I did put a big question mark on it earlier. Um, wait, raise the wage um, is bringing it up to eventually $15 an hour as minimum wage for the state of Michigan. Big fat no for a variety of reasons. Reproductive freedom for all, uh, reproductive freedom for women. And um, also that means no freedom of the right to life for others. Um, in other words, this is the one that um, is um, um, allowing, specifically creating a right to abortion in the state of Michigan. So that Big fat no for me. If you value life, if you believe in the whole concept of life, liberty, and uh, property or the pursuit of happiness, this should be a big fat no for you as well. Um, Michiganders for Fair Lending 2. It's a big fat no for me. It's a lot more specifics on that payday lending 36% uh, issue. Um, Michigan right to vote. They have an A and a B petition. Uh, the A petition, um, it, these are constitutional amendments. These are probably big fat no's for me. Certainly the second one is a big fat no for me, um, but they um, prohibit laws imposing undue burdens on voting. Um, they prohibit laws that ban donations to uh, fund elections. Uh, they prohibit laws, this constitutional amendment would 
prohibit laws that require an ID to vote. Uh, they, anyway, it's a whole, there's a whole bunch of crap in there and it's bad. Um, so I would say the Michigan right to vote and be our no-goes. Promote the vote 2022. Um, again, this one allows donations to fund elections. That's the biggest thing. I'll just leave it at that. It allows um, private donations to fund public elections, and that leads to a lot of problems. Um, initi Michigan Initiative for Community Healing. This um, talks about um, crimes for psychedelic drugs, um, for um, psychedelic plants and mushrooms, changing the terminology, decriminalizing it. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I have a big fat question mark on that. Voters for transparency and term limits is another one of the petitions being circulated in Michigan. This is a constitutional amendment uh, requiring financial disclosure. Um, it's also putting in um, term limits for the um, House and Senate, and it might be okay. I, I would want to read the language and think about it a lot more, probably do an entire video just on that alone. So that's a maybe. I want you to look at that definitely. Um, also, maybe on Revive Michigan Elections, um, it's... It's an initiative petition, so it's just changing state law, not the Constitution. Um, this one specifically wants to determine the proper winner of the 2020 election. There's a lot to that. Um, I don't know. My instinct is to say, no, we need to focus on 2020. Not to say that we shouldn't do an audit. We shouldn't uncover what happened in 2020. Sorry, we should focus on 2022. Um not to say that we shouldn't um, discover what actually happened in 2020, but we need to focus our efforts on beating the system that's corrupt in 2022. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be moving forward so that we can change this going forward in a way that's more doable. And um, uh, I believe that most of the um, grassroots groups that are um, advocating for change, at least all across Michigan, Stand Up Michigan, um, Ottawa Impact, Michigan Impact, um, Kent County GOP. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the other groups. But anyway, I saw quite a few groups that put out a statement that I believe uh, we're in opposition to this particular petition at this stage of the game, so to speak. Lastly, is that petition to get the uh, Patriot Party on the ballot. Um, it is to form a new political ballot and to get candidates on for the November 8th, 2022 election. I would say, yes, absolutely. We need to allow people their say, whether you agree with it or not. If you're one of those people that says, oh, well, if you give choice, that's going to take away from, you know, one conservative party to another. You know what? The Democrats have the Green Party. They have, I can't even think of, my mind's going blank. There's several different parties on the liberal side of things that split the vote for them. This is something where people might be actually voting for the Democrat because they just simply cannot vote for the Republican. For example, I will say that in the 2020 um, elect, 2020? No. In the 20. At some point in, in the past, I voted for the Constitution Party candidate for president because I did not believe that the Republican uh, candidate in that um, election was going to be a good um, a good uh, candidate, a good person for that position. So I voted for the Constitution Party candidate. Um, 
I, um, it's better than what some others were doing that felt similarly that they were just going ahead, reaching over the aisle and going ahead and adding a vote to the Democrat candidate for that particular race. That's not a good thing, right? So uh, for those of you who are conservative and you're worried about vote splitting, um, either something's got to be done. Ensuring the integrity in uh, within the Republican Party, which is an uphill battle at times. I mean, look at what just happened at state convention two weeks ago. Um, or uh, by all means, um, just allowing another party to put itself on the ballot. Uh, so with that being said, that is my take on um, what we are um, seeing as far as options being circulated as petitions in the state of Michigan. Uh, I hope that you were able to enjoy all that information being presented to you. I have a lot of information coming your way when we do our Wednesday way to get involved. The Thursday constitution segment recap will be much more than just a simple recap this week. It's going to give you more information than what we typically do because we ran out of time today, uh, already at close to an hour and a half. And, um, Friday's Freedom Fighting Tools, definitely a lot there. But please check out our segment that Rachel usually puts together a wonderful little segment for us on our Restore Freedom Goodie of the Week. We need to get the word spread about Restore Freedom, what we're doing all across the country. I have had orders that I've been filling for our Restore Freedom Goodie of the Week. This week it is the 5x5 window decal. It can go on your car, on your uh, windows at your home or your office, anywhere. It's a window decal. It's a, uh, you know, um, a peel and stick kind of thing. It's not permanent, uh, but it does last for quite some time. We'd love to have your support with that. There's a QR code that allows people to scan it and go right to our um, a, a shortened version of our website so that they can jump right in and start reading the constitution, donating, uh, watching videos, whatever. In fact, the QR code that it takes you to that page will be revamped and revitalized as soon as I finished uh, completely redoing our uh, our whole website, as well as redoing our entire Constitution app to make it much more friendly. I'm doing that myself, so please bear with me as I do that while trying to go through all these other things and work on briefs and everything else to fight for freedom. Uh, so if you want to help us in any way and you can donate, please donate. We need to start paying some of these bills, and I would love to be able to to um, start covering some of the out-of-pocket costs that Lori has when she's helping in this because she hasn't gotten paid a single dime in all of this for two years straight. And without her, none of this would be possible. Maybe I could get rid of my husband, Mike. But I certainly couldn't get rid of Lori. I love them both. Uh, just kidding about the Mike part. But please make sure uh, to do that. We... Um, it's not about paying us, but unlike other organizations that have paid staff here and there, it's basically at this point, for the most part, a lot of it is me, Mike, and Lori, and uh, we're paying out of pocket on things. And uh, I need Lori to be able to continue doing this on a regular basis. And if she doesn't have funds to keep her lights on and pay for her um, cable or you know her uh, internet bill, how is she going to be able to help me? So anyway, please consider donating, even if you just have $5.00 please, please do that. If you um, want to leave us a comment, if you have funds you would specifically like to go towards Lori, I haven't made a button for that yet, um, but please uh, leave us a comment or you can shoot a follow-up email or something and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I donated X amount. I want to make sure this goes directly to Lori. Um, uh, otherwise, we do have buttons or options to be able to help fund our newsletter and um, our website and our app and some of those other things. Um, 
because there's, there's just the out-of-pocket cost. It's not to the cost of me spending the time doing it. But anyway, thank you so much to all of you who tuned in today. I hope there's not a ton of questions I wasn't able to get to. It looked like there wasn't uh, too much in the terms of questions today. I appreciate your support and everything you do to join with us in this fight for freedom. And I look forward to seeing you for next week's full episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. Again, I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and I wish you all a wonderful afternoon.